and friend. Y'all didn't know I had a friend. <laughs> Good morning. If you're new with us today, typically we do video teaching, and you'll be getting uh, our senior teacher teaching minister Rick Ashley on video. Uh, but today for the holiday, we're going to continue our series that we've been doing called The Way of King Jesus Alive. And so I'm just fired up to be here with you. Was so excited that I had to bring my friend Alexander with me today. And he's going to start our, us off with our text for today that we're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount. So Alexander, fire away. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We respond to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you, Alexander. Now what I'd like to ask you guys to do, Alexander's going to lead us again, but would you all please stand? And let's say this Lord's Prayer uh, together. Go ahead. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. With not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right. Thank you, Alexander. You can have a seat. Thank you, buddy. You can take that to Miss Susan. Well, I'm glad that Alexander could lead us in that. He uh, is such an outstanding young man that is leading us. And we believe that about our kids here. We always say we're shaped by what we see at the hills, and our kids make a big influence on us. I don't know about you, uh, but I don't know how you learned how to pray. Whenever I was a child, the first prayer I learned was not the Lord's Prayer, but it was this prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. What a depressing prayer. <laughs> what? When I look back on that now, I'm like, what was my mom doing with that prayer? So my mom was a great spiritual influence on me. She, she passed her faith on to me. But now when I look back on that, I'm like, how did I learn that prayer? But I prayed that when I was Alexander's age. I prayed that through elementary school, even as I would get ready to go to bed. And you see, I think some of us are still stuck there. Maybe with the Lord's Prayer that it's just something that we recite almost from memory without thinking about it. Or maybe another prayer that we've prayed uh, that we just get stuck there. And Rick in his series last week talked about some verses where Jesus was telling us how not to pray. But now he makes this transition and he says, but this is how you should pray. And I think it's important for us to realize this isn't a formula. It's not that we just say these magic words and it's all right. It's more of a pattern for us to, a guide for us to live in prayer together as we pray through these words. And so this one is very uh, close to my heart because I've told you guys a lot here recently. For the last year to two years, I've struggled more with stress and anxiety than ever before. 
sleepless nights where I wake up, where I have a hard time going back to sleep. My mind won't stop. And here's what I know. I, I know I'm odd, but I know I'm not odd in that because I hear that from you guys too. I don't know if it's the pressure of our world, if it's COVID, if it's social media, maybe it's a combination of all of them, but I know we're struggling more with anxiety than ever before. And so this is one of those sermons that when you talk about uh, how long did you prepare for a sermon? I've been preparing for this sermon for almost two years because the Lord's Prayer is one of the spiritual practices that I've used to communicate with God uh, as I'm struggling with stress or anxiety. And so as we walk through this, I hope that I can make it personal to you. Hope I can give you some handles to carry something that may help you. And I hope it's something that God speaks to you individually through. Because here's what I know. This is a prayer that touches every part of the kingdom. But it's a prayer every time I pray it, it speaks to me differently and uniquely each time. And so if we're going to be residents in God's kingdom, let's learn to pray the way Jesus taught us how to pray. So the first thing that we do is that we have to acknowledge his greatness. You see, the first few sentences in the Lord's Prayer all focus on the greatness of God. And I don't know about you, but I can make myself, I can have the tendency that when I pray, I just sit down and start listing out all the things in Chris's world. And the first thing Jesus wanted us to realize is that we're acknowledging the greatness of God. And so as I look at that first statement, it is our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Notice the word our in this prayer. It's a corporate prayer. Our faith is lived out in community. And Jesus starts with that very first word, our. But then he moves on to Father. And whenever I think about God, the first word that, as I've grown up, the first word that came to mind was not Father, but it was Lord. Whenever I would pray, I would start prayers with Lord, or I might say God. And then I realized once that uh, Mike Washburn, who was one of my coworkers and a mentor, to me for years. Every time I would hear Mike start a prayer, he would start it with the words, Oh, kind Father. And I thought, what's the difference? How can, can Mike see God as that kind Father and I see him as Lord? And in my personal life, I had a dad that was very authoritarian. And so as I saw God, I saw him a little bit through the lens of my dad. And I don't know if your view of God is impacted by that or not. But I think when Jesus starts this prayer, he wants us to know we have a father. We have a dad that's not distorted by our earthly view of our fathers, but one that cares about you and that loves you dearly. And that's who you're taking your request to. Our father in heaven. And it's always good for me when I get to that phrase to remember that God is in heaven, right? Because so often when I'm overwhelmed or I'm stressed out, it's my perspective and the view I have from right here on earth. And I need to remember that God's in heaven and he has a completely different perspective of what I'm going through than I do. 
And his perspective is so important for me to have. So it starts with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed, meaning holy, set apart. Again, it's remembering his greatness. And it's this perspective that's so important for us that we have a father, a dad, that's above all and all-powerful. When you're taking your prayer to him, you're taking it to the most powerful being that could possibly be. And that perspective is important for us. We spend time in prayer acknowledging his power and greatness. So we don't have time in this sermon, but you can look up names of God. And sometimes in your prayer time, just talk about with God his names and what those mean. Healer, provider, hallowed be your name. Psalms 8, we read these words. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? So Jesus gives us a model that we spend time remembering the greatness of God in prayer. But we also invite his rule. We've been talking in this series of being residents of a different kingdom, the, the land of King Jesus. And he moves in this prayer now to your kingdom come. Your will be done. And notice these first statements again, how, off, how they're reflecting us to God and not self. It's on you, your kingdom come. You see, we live in this tension of the already and the not yet. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we know that Jesus said his kingdom is near and he was here to bring his kingdom in. And when we put on Jesus Christ in faith and baptism, we become residents of that kingdom. So we have it already, but not yet is it fully realized until Jesus comes back. So here on earth, we live in that tension of already, but not yet, that we're residents of a kingdom that will be fully realized when Jesus comes back. But as I pray this, it's a good reminder for me that it's his kingdom, not mine. I'm so worried about Chris's kingdom. So much of my time is, is worried about how I can present my kingdom, how I protect my kingdom. And Jesus says, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's not my kingdom and it's not my will that matters. It's his kingdom. It's his will. And I think that may be the hardest part of prayer. For us to come before God and to let him know our needs, but yet be able to say, but God, you know what's best for me. I trust your love. I trust your wisdom. And so here's what I'm asking for, God, but I'm going to lay it down and ask that your will would be done. Yeah. Hardest part of prayer. But Jesus modeled it for us. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was to be crucified, he was praying that if there's any other way for this to happen, that it would happen. 
But we read in Matthew 26, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We have a Savior that models calling God Father and laying our requests before that Father, but saying, but we care more about your will than I. It's a hard thing to pray. And I need to be reminded of that. The next phrase is on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus didn't just come to save us for eternity. He came to live in us now and to change things on earth right now. And so he prays that heaven would come to earth. And so we should be praying those same things. Because as residents of the kingdom, we're here to make this earth better, to bring heaven to it. We don't live this beaten down existence that just says, well, we'll muddle through here until we get to heaven. No, we have the power of Jesus in us to bring his heaven to earth right now. So that can be a lot of things. I know when I read scripture that I know in heaven, every tongue and tribe and race is going to be praising God around his throne. And I believe when we talk about bringing heaven to earth, then we need to be about making that happen right now. I know when I think about heaven and God's kingdom, it's that the lion and the lamb would lay down together that it's going to be a kingdom of peace and unity and love. And so there's so much of this sermon that we've been going through that talks about bringing that to heaven right now, loving your enemies, walking that extra mile. We can be about bringing God's kingdom to heaven right now. Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, that we would have life and have it to the full, not someday, but right now. And so we acknowledge his greatness, we invite his rule, and then you're going to see the language start changing in these sentences because we're going to surrender your needs. And the focus starts going from God to us, but there is still a corporate focus that happens here. Realize this prayer again in community. And so this next statement is, give us today our daily bread. Notice, give us our. You're going to hear that our. It's not that we're just so focused on ourselves and that I get what I deserve or what I need, but we're worried about the body. We're living this in community. And this, 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 this repeating line, give us today our daily bread. I feel like Jesus wanted to remind us of that to get us focusing on the provider. So often, this is one of those sentences that lives with me every day because there's days I've got to remember, I just got to get through today. Jesus, give me enough for today. I think if you were in his audience and he's talking about this, you would be thinking of manna. The Israelites, God's people in Exodus 16, were wandering in the wilderness And they were grumbling about not having anything to eat. And God provided manna, bread from heaven for them. But every day they would go out and gather enough manna for that day. But if they gathered too much and tried to keep some for the next day, it would go rotten. God was reminding them, I provide what you need today for today. 
Do you need to be reminded of that? I know there's people in this room, because I talked to you, that you've hung on to these words this year. Just give me bread for today. Give me bread for today. But I spend so much of my time focusing on things in the future. I waste so much energy looking forward. And so a few verses later, Jesus gives us these words in Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, we don't need to be worrying about tomorrow. I use the phrase all the time, don't borrow trouble. Today's day, it has enough trouble of its own. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you what you need to get through today. But there's days I need to be reminded of that. And we need to remember who provides. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. See, we lay our needs before God, but we trust that he knows exactly what we need. So give us today our daily bread. And then he tells us to forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You know, when if I were thinking I was reading this just for the first time and not being in the routine of saying the Lord's Prayer, what if the standard for my forgiveness was how well I forgave other people? That'd be scary, wouldn't it? I don't want to be judged on that level that, God, you would forgive me only as well as I forgive others. But Jesus continues in Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, I think Jesus puts a heavy emphasis on our forgiving other people. We can't miss this in this prayer that we would be asking to be able to forgive others. But you need to know today, God's forgiveness of you is unconditional. I don't want you to leave today being confused about that. And so more than anything, I want you to know that God loves you and he forgives you. And one of the hardest things for some of us to do is to accept that. And so I hope that you'll accept that Jesus forgives you. But now once you've accepted that, and here at the Hills, we believe that uh, we are lost until we confess faith in Jesus Christ. When we ask him to be our savior, to forgive us of our sins, we wash our sins away in this baptistry. Once we do that and we fully grasp how much we've been forgiven, how can we not forgive anybody? How are we not changed by that forgiveness? You see, it's understanding how Jesus forgives us that then we live it out. It can't help but come out of us. Forgiving others is the proof that we understand how much we've been forgiven. And again, it's lived out. That faith is lived out in community. You can't live that out by yourself. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Paul in Ephesians 4 says, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
And in Colossians 3, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I don't think we can just run past that and, and not see the mandate that's given that we have to be forgivers because we've been forgiven. And when we grasp that forgiveness, it opens the floodgate for us to just forgive away. If God has forgiven me so much, there's nothing I can't forgive you for. We see that lived out in Corey Tenboom's life. You're probably familiar with that name, but Corey Tenboom's a famous Christian survivor of a Nazi concentration camp. Years after her release, she was teaching a lesson on forgiveness, uh, ironically, in a church. And as she was teaching to this small crowd, the door opened in the back and a man walked in that she recognized as one of the guards from her camp. And she said, God, how could you do this? How could that man be here? How do you expect me to teach with him in this audience? And she felt the Lord talking to her about the subject she was talking on, forgiveness. And she understood why that man was there. It was for her sake and her relationship with the Lord. She walked up to him after she was finished and she said, my name is Corey Tinboom, and God loves you and I love you. It's that type of forgiveness when we realize what God has done for us that changes how we live it out with other people. In Corey's own words, she, has, she says, I have no doubt the obedience to God which occurred that night was a turning point in my spirit that released me from the bitterness of that prison camp. You see, God wants us to be released from bitterness. So forgive our debts. And help us to forgive others the way we've been forgiven. And then the last phrase is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. I've just got to say, when Jesus tells us to pray this, I've been a little confused by that because Jesus was led into temptation. But I feel like the word I got on that is Jesus knows what it's like to be led into temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, the word tells us that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he knows what that's like. And he knows we're going to face temptation. But for us to pray that we wouldn't be led into it. And then he also wants us to remember that we're in a spiritual battle. We don't live our faith out in a world uh, that's not affected by the evil one. Do we need any more proof than this week? We have an enemy. He's active. And Jesus asked us to be praying that we wouldn't be led into temptation, but we would be delivered from evil. And Jesus lived that out in the wilderness. But he gave us the way to get out of that temptation. To go to God's word. And for me, I used to always pray in, in my walk with the Lord. I pray, God, help me not to be tempted. And then I realized he never makes that promise. But he promises to give me a way out. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. 
If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, it changed the way I prayed. Instead of praying that I wouldn't be tempted, I pray, God, will you give me the strength to choose the way out? Because that's what he promises us. And Jesus tells us, pray that we won't be led into temptation and that we would overcome the evil one. And God promises to do that. He does it through Jesus Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit being the way out of temptation. And so I want to remind you today that we live in a world that's involved in a spiritual battle. Don't give the enemy more respect than he deserves, but realize the evil one is on the prowl. And be asking God daily to rescue you, to protect you from the evil one. So I told you each time I pray this prayer, something else jumps out to me. There's a different phrase that that day I need, different than I needed the day before. And so I want to practice that with you today. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to close your eyes. And I'm going to read this prayer over you. And I want you to ask God to reveal to you today what it is that you need to hear. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'd like you to stay there in this prayer posture for just a minute. hearing what God has to say to you as you reach out to him. What's coming to the surface as you hear those words? You have a father in heaven that loves you very much. He is holy and it is his kingdom and his will that should concern you? Or are you too consumed with tomorrow's problems today? Or are you focused on the fact that somebody hurt you yesterday and you're struggling to forgive? See, King Jesus wants to deliver you from temptation. He wants to rescue you from the evil one. but he wants to remind you that you're in a spiritual battle. But King Jesus has already won the war. So dear Father, you rule in heaven and up there doesn't look like down here, so bring it down. And God, if it's really gonna come down, let it start with us. Our Father, give us our daily bread.
Forgive us our sins. Oh, Father, would you calm spirits today? Would you speak hope today? Would these oft-recited words be a reminder today of new bread? And may they, they bring us comfort and hope as we live in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.